0: where we bring our needs. And I've already talked with Irma and her family that at that time, there are going to be, there are going to be some people here to gather around them and pray for them. And, and as Irma said, we never shut the door at all on what God can do, never, ever. God can work miracles. He can do that. We don't have any doubt about that. But as Irma said, she's going to trust Him for the miracle of a healing now that will extend her life, that would be tremendous. That would be wonderful. Or the miracle of, of entering into his holy, glorious presence, which is the ultimate healing of all healings. But we're going to trust God here this morning and stand with this family um, for, through a really tough time. Um, and the, the now, new, the new series that we begin this morning uh, really we're going to be talking about passion, serving Christ with passion, living for Christ with passion. And I think Irma uh, really uh, opens the door for that whole topic for us, this whole new series, uh, because I think we've just seen that this morning. Uh, A person who, when it comes down to to the really tough realities of life, that Jesus Christ is there, and we can still serve him with a living, dynamic, passionate faith. He's a foundation that doesn't crumble away no matter what we face in this life. And I thank Irma for coming and and just sharing that this morning. Um, We've titled this series Unstoppable, uh, A Force for God and Good. You know, there are millions of Christians in the United States today, and I think we can fairly say that most all of them are not about to to give up their faith in Christ. But I think we can also say that a good many of those millions have given up their passion for Christ. I believe that the greatest need for the church in the United States, in, in our own community, in the world, is to regain a passion for Christ. Because a passion for Christ is the only thing that spills out into and becomes a passion for people. We cannot have a passion for people. We cannot get the mission done that Jesus called us to give unless we are passionate about Jesus Christ. You know, we have a lot of terrible things that are going on in our world right now, and you can read about them in the newspaper every day. It seems like it's getting just crazier and crazier. But you know, the worst thing that could possibly happen in this world is for the church of Jesus Christ to lose its passion. Because at the very hour when our world is teetering on the edge of destruction and collapse, there is only one voice that is the voice of hope, restoration, salvation, redemption. Only one voice in the world that, shouting that word out And that's the church of Jesus Christ that proclaims the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. And if the church goes down, if the church loses its fire and its flame, then the world will go up in flames. The world is going down without the church of Jesus Christ being filled and animated with passion. But you know, passion is just like a fire. Fires go out. Passion can go out in a church. So the question for us in this series, beginning this morning, is how do we gain, rekindle, and then how do we rekindle, how do we keep a passion for Jesus Christ? Now the very first circle of Jesus' followers, those 12 disciples, they lost their passion for a time. It's really hard to imagine that these 12 disciples disciples who, who were with Jesus for three years and saw him do the most amazing and astounding things. Feed 5,000 people. Heal blind people. Raise, a, raise three people from the dead. Stop a storm on the Sea of Galilee. How could that circle of people lose a passion for Christ? But they did. Remember the last, at that last supper the night before Jesus died? Jesus told them, I'm going to go and die on the cross tomorrow. I'm going to be crucified. Now, the passion was still there. And Peter was the spokesperson for the 12. Now the 11, I guess you would say. And Peter says, when Jesus said that, Peter said, Lord, all of the rest of these, they may desert you. I will never desert you. I am ready to go and die with you. But just a few hours later, what happened? When it came down to choosing between Jesus and their own self-interest and their own saving of their own skin. Their, Their passion drained away very quickly. And Peter, the spokesman, he lost his passion worst of all. He ended up even denying that he knew Jesus three times during that night. So as the drama of a cross unfolded that night, where were the disciples? They were nowhere to be found. They scattered and they ended up hiding in an upper room with the doors and the windows shut because they were afraid that there that uh, eleven more crosses could have been found and they could have been hanging there with Jesus. So Jesus died. He's in the tomb all of Friday night. The disciples are hidden all day Saturday. That first church is hidden. All, day, uh, all, day, all Saturday night, the church is still hidden and huddled away. Sunday morning comes. They're still hidden. And then the first Easter. Then the resurrection. And Jesus, early in the morning, rises, and he appears to, to some of the ladies, and they run back and tell the disciples the news. But what did the disciples do? They stayed hidden in the upper room until... Jesus appeared to them that first Sunday afternoon. And the Bible says that their hearts were, were full of joy. They were rekindled. Now, this is where Luke, the writer of the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts is sort of the, the, the historical record of the early church, the first church. So, Luke, we're going to pick up the story uh, in Luke chapter 1, verses 3 through 11. And I want to read this passage of Scripture very quickly. It says, During the 40 days after Jesus suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. One time when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he promised. As I told you before, John baptized, or the word there is immersed. John immersed people in water. But in just a few days, you will be immersed, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know, but you will receive, this is what you can know, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And after saying this, Jesus was taken up into a cloud while they were watching. They could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way that you saw him go into heaven. Let me summarize that real quick. Jesus, after his death and uh, resurrection, he met with the disciples over a period of about five weeks. He met with them several times. And he tells these hiding followers of his, that they are about to be set free from their self-interest and the desire and and, this des- and the desire to save their own, own skins is going to become a secondary concern and instead of running and hiding, they're going to come running out of hiding with a passion that is unstoppable to boldly take the name of Jesus and the message that the way into the kingdom of God has been opened up for everyone. And they're going to begin that right in the city where Jesus was crucified, right under the noses of the very people that had the authority also to crucify them if they started to talk about Jesus. But they, they had a passion now inside of them, that was far greater than any fear they had about what could ever happen to themselves. And here's something else wonderful. They had such a passion for Christ that these Jewish Christians, they took this gospel and they broke all the racial and ethnic lines drawn up in this world that create such hostility and hatred, even in our world today. There was such a barrier between Jewish people and the Gentile people. But once the passion of the Holy Spirit gripped their hearts, those racial lines, those lines of prejudice and status, they meant nothing. They went out to create a church that was international in flavor, filled with every, con- every, every tribe and tongue and nation of people on the face of the earth. There was great power here. There was great passion here. And this first circle of followers... I want you to imagine this. During those 40 days when the disciples were spending time with Jesus, risen from the dead, they probably were saying to Jesus, Jesus, we're ready. We've seen you alive now. We're ready to, to get going here. But you know what Jesus said? No, you're not ready to go yet. Even seeing Jesus alive from the dead with their own eyes, with their five senses apprehending it. That wasn't enough for the life and the mission Jesus was calling them to live out. And so this is why Jesus gave them very, very clear instructions. And and we have those in verses 4 and 5. He says, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that He promised. Just as I told you before. John baptized, he immersed you with water in the River Jordan. But in just a few days, you are going to have another kind of baptism. You are going to be immersed, drenched in the downpour of the Holy Spirit of God himself. You see, great as their passion was at seeing and spending 40 days with the risen Christ, it it just wasn't enough. Why? Why? Because that was an external sensory experience of Jesus. Something had to happen inside of them. That's what Jesus is talking about. And so Jesus points them to this other kind of baptism that God had prepared for them as a gift. And it was going to take place in a few days. And this baptism would come from the Father... And this is what would fill them with the unstoppable passion required to make Jesus known to the four corners of the world. Because this baptism would, cre- would bring not just... It would, it, would, it would take the reality of Jesus beyond what they had seen with their eyes and fill their hearts with it. Now this word baptize, simply, as I said a moment ago, it means to be immersed. It means to be plunged into water. It means to be drenched. Jesus is saying, your heart, your mind, you're going to be completely immersed and drenched in the Holy Spirit. Now, who is the Holy Spirit? Let's think about that for a second. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. Now, what that means is this. For all of eternity, the the nature of God, the way God reveals himself in the Scripture is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God... Sharing one essence, one being. And yet, in a way, we could never figure out existing as three distinct persons. One God, three persons. So we have one God, but a God of community and relationship for all of eternity. And you know what the role of the Holy Spirit has been for all of eternity? His role is revealed in the Scripture more than anything else. His role has been to to honor to praise, to glorify the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, the second person of eternity. That's been his role for all of eternity. And when Jesus, uh, and when Jesus was talking about in John chapter 15, 16, when he was, talking, when he was telling his disciples that God is going to send the Holy Spirit to dwell in you, here's what he said about the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit comes, John 16, 13, 14, when the Spirit comes, he will not speak Of himself. He's not going to be promoting himself. When he comes, he's going to talk about me. He's coming to glorify me. And and then you know what? Luke chapter 3 tells us that when Jesus got baptized in water at the beginning of his ministry, guess what happened? Guess who showed up? Well, the Father spoke from heaven, said, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. But then what happened? Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water, and who came? the same Holy Spirit for all of eternity who had been glorifying Jesus in heaven, that same Holy Spirit came down to earth descending on Jesus like a dove and filled Jesus, and and the Holy Spirit came to glorify him on the earth just as he had in heaven. And then right after the water baptism, the the fourth chapter of Luke opens up this way, verse 1. It says, Then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River where he got baptized. Where did the Holy Spirit take him? He, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tested by the devil for 40 days. And believe me, you can read about those, te- those temptations. When Jesus was in the wilderness there, Satan came and attacked him with everything he had. Why? Because Satan knew how important it was to destroy the passion in Jesus' heart, to fulfill the mission that God had given him to go to the cross, provide redemption for humanity. And Satan was there to kill that, to douse that, to, to, to put an end to the passion that Jesus had. But what we find is this. Jesus had a passion inside of him that was far greater than anything Satan could use to try to put it out. Jesus carried out his mission in the face of terrible struggles with Satan, with human opposition, with trials of all kinds, but he had inside of him the unstoppable passion of the Holy Spirit. And you see, when he came, Jesus, in his own humanity, he laid aside his deity in his own humanity. He demonstrated for us that it is possible as a human being to be so filled with the Spirit that your fire will not go out. Then Jesus tells his followers that it is this same immersion, it is this same uh, infilling of the Holy Spirit that he received, that he will then pass on to them. The same passion will be in our hearts, the Holy Spirit. Let me me just sort of paraphrase what what I think Jesus is saying to, to, to his followers here. He's saying, I'm sending you with my message into a world of discouragement, loss, evil, suffering, opposition, sorrow. And unless you have a passion for me that is greater than the pain you will face, you will scatter and hide. It will not be enough for my church that you still remember my teachings and that you still remember my great miracles that you saw before my death. It will, be not, it, it will not be enough That you even remember seeing me alive after the dead. That's not enough. If If that's the root of your passion, then you are going to end up going back into hiding. You're going to lock yourself up. You're going to be a church huddled inside your walls. Now, here is the concern for the church in the United States today we can have great memories of Jesus. We can be very, very fond of Him. We can have all of our doctrines and our beliefs in place, and we need to. They're very important. And we can all be saved and on our way to heaven someday. But here's the question. Are we as a church changing our world by taking His name and the power of His name with an unstoppable passion for Him that can't be extinguished by opposition on the outside or by grief and pain on the inside? Are we filled with a passion that is changing our world? What must happen? And what must happen soon in our churches? Well, what did our very first circle of brothers and sisters do? What what happened then? Well, the Scripture tells us in Acts chapter 1, that after Jesus ascended into heaven, this is what the disciples did in obedience to what he had told them to do. Stay in Jerusalem. It says in Acts chapter 1, verse 12, Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of about a half a mile. When they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Only this time they weren't huddled in fear. It says they all met together and they were constantly united in prayer. We need to underline that one. They were constantly united in prayer. What were they praying for? They were praying for the spirit of the mighty God of heaven to come and saturate and fill their hearts just like Jesus had promised. So they were there along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, brothers of Jesus. During this time, there were about 120 believers that were joined together in constant prayer. Now, eventually, that upper room got too little, so they transferred over to the temple, the temple area. But they were continuing in prayer. So, next week, we're going to take a look look at Acts chapter 2, when God answers the prayer, and the Spirit of God comes, and all the amazing results that took place through this group of people that just a few days before had been scared to death, but now they become a force to be reckoned with. So here's my question. Here's another question this morning. What time is it in our world right now? What time is it for the nations? For for uh, for our nation? For our community? Our communities? Our families? Here's what time it is. I believe. It's time for churches to seek God for a fresh, fresh immersion in the Holy Spirit to restore his passion for Christ to our hearts. People who live with the Spirit's passion are going to be passionate for Jesus. They're going to be passionate for one another. And they're going to be passionate for the people around us who do not yet know him. And they will be unstoppable. Unstoppable. So this morning, I am calling Calvary Church to make the final months of 2014, two and a half months, the most spirit-impassioned chapter so far in the story of this church, in its history. I'm calling Calvary Church to seek and hunger for the Holy Spirit of God to immerse and fill us as We have never been filled before. This is serious. Our world is teetering. Our world is collapsing. People's lives, you know people. You have people in your family. The church is the only only voice of hope because we have the gospel. But there's got to be a fire of passion underneath us that ignites that gospel to make a difference in the world. So that's the call this morning. Now, over these next weeks, the culminating point of every message, sermon, I'm just going to be leading us all in a prayer at the close of each one to the effect of, God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us in a fresh and powerful and new kind of way. We'll do that this morning in just a few moments. And then on the concluding Sunday, uh, on Sunday, November 2nd, at 6 o'clock in the evening from 6 till 7.15, I'm just calling the whole church, and this includes youth and children. We'll keep the preschoolers downstairs, but this is for everybody uh, to come fill this room with a heart of prayer just like they were praying in that upper room. I don't think we will not We will not, the the church, I'm speaking not just our church, but the church in the United States. We will not change our world. We will not have the results that that first century church had unless we constantly give ourselves to prayer and the filling of the Spirit, just like that first church did. That was what brought them out of their fear and catapulted them with power and boldness to be reckoned with in the world. Now, maybe you are a Christ follower this morning and you, sitting here today, have been beat up by the blows of life that have come against you. You might be very, very tired and exhausted as a Christian, discouraged. You might have faced some broken dreams. Maybe you have family members that you really, really care about who are straying from the faith today. Maybe they have just ignored and are ignoring everything you sought to instill in them. Maybe you're here today and you have a a secret struggle, a life-controlling issue or an addiction that just keeps overpowering you and dragging you down. Maybe you are here today and you're dealing with some horrible abuse and hurt that has occurred in your life and shattered you inside. Maybe even buried you with a lot of shame and, and anger and and all that kind of stuff. Here's a challenge I want to offer. I want to challenge you in the midst of your sorrows and wounds and losses and confusions and life-controlling issues or discouragement. I want to, I want to challenge you in the middle of all that to dig down deep inside and begin to express to God a hunger and a thirst for Him, greater than you've ever had before in your life, in the middle of all that, and see what the Lord does in response to your prayer. Because the Holy Spirit responds, and the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts with a passion for Christ, for Christ's life, for His healing, for His power, for His grace, for His restoration that is greater than the pain and the discouragement and the sorrow and the loss and the abuse and greater even than that addiction. And Christ will give you and I strength inside to do battle against the enemies and to begin to win the battles with His help. So the call is this, that We, over these next, uh, the rest of this year, two and a half months, whatever it is, ten weeks, ten weeks, we set our hearts fervently in the direction of praying along with our first century brothers and sisters for a fresh outpouring of the Spirit of God to rest upon us. Next week we'll talk about the power that comes with that. But right now I would just like us to stand for a moment and I'm going to lead us in a prayer that I would like you to repeat after me as as I pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you with hunger in our hearts for the outpouring of your Spirit upon us We totally surrender our hearts to you. Give us your spirit's passion for Jesus. To love him and to make him known. Give us a passion for Jesus greater than our pain. So Jesus shines through us even in our sorrow. Lord, we desire your Holy Spirit more than any other desire in life. Come, immerse us in your presence. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen, amen. I believe the Lord heard that prayer and he'll mark it down. And he's going to be with us over these next ten weeks to answer that prayer. Pray about this at home when you're in, with God. Small groups get together, make this one of your prayer focuses. But let's let's just make this let's make this our deep, deep, deep desire before God. And we're gonna and, and God is going to launch us into some things that are unbelievable as a church to see what God can do for His glory, His honor.